I like to study great men of the Bible. And I think Brother Keeley teaches the men on Sunday morning usually, doesn't he? He's been teaching through uh, Peter, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I wrote those lessons. And uh, I love to, uh, I've done one on Peter, I've done one on Paul, I've done Med David, I've done Moses, uh, I've done lessons from Legends where I took 13 different men, including Mordecai, uh, Barnabas, and others, who I couldn't do a whole book with one lesson on. My next one's going to be The Tale of Two Prophets. I'm going to do Elijah and Elisha. I love the men that God puts in the Bible for a reason. And can I say this? God has a plan for your life. I don't know what God's plan for your life is. But can I tell you this today? Happiness is finding God's will and doing it. Amen. And that starts with doing the basic things that Christians should do. By the way, you're doing one of them right now. Let's go to church. Because the Bible says, forsake not to submit yourselves together as the manner of some is. That's Bible. Right? Another thing is pray. We ought always to pray and not to faint. Pray without ceasing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Come boldly to the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace to help in time of need. That's there. Oh, by the way, how about ye have not because ye ask not? Mm-hmm. So we ought to go to church. We ought to pray. We ought to give tithes and offerings. That's Bible. And uh, you say, tithes? Boy, I wish the government just asked me for a tithe. Just say it, right? But we got to give tithes and offerings. The Bible says, give Robbie and look at Malachi. Where do we rob thee in tithes and offerings? We got to do that. So we got to go to church. We got to pray. We got to tithe. We got to read our Bible. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Wherewithal shall ye men cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? Right? So we got to read the Bible. The psalmist said, Early will I seek thee. Uh, God put his word above his own name. That, that's pretty high. I don't like it when people take the name of the Lord Jesus in my, in my presence. I usually say something. I say, please not do that. I say, that's my best friend. He died for me. They get embarrassed. Good. Maybe they won't cuss anymore. I was sitting in a barber shop at Avenue I in Lancaster, and I was here for one reason. It was basically a Hispanic barbershop, but I liked it because it was $10 haircuts. Come on now, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Better than 20 bucks at Supercuts. And I was, I was sitting in the chair, there's probably 15 chairs, at least 12 chairs there. And you hear buzz, they had the soccer game going, a little mariachi music going on. And the guy, two seats over for me, not one, just two seats over, he kept taking the Lord's name in vain again and again and again. Finally, I just said, I've had enough. I've heard enough. I asked the barber to stop. I said, sir, would you stop cutting my hair? Please stop. I stood up. Now, I'm 6'6 already. But I'm standing on that little platform. So now I'm about 6'10. I said, excuse me, sir. I said, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus died for me. He loves me. He loves you too. Would you please stop talking about him like that? And that whole place got quiet. All you heard that. Finished, paid the man, gave his tip, walked out, people go, there goes that man. You know, I'm going to stand up for Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we go to church, we pray, we tithe, we read our Bible, and finally we witness. Can I tell you what the only thing that I know this church needs? You don't need a new piano player. You don't need a new pastor. You don't need a new auditorium. It's beautiful. You know what you need? More people. Fill those chairs up. Amen. And can I tell you how that's going to happen? If you will invite your friends. Now I promise you this, Pastor Kitty, Chris, Kitty, they'll follow up on it. But they need to get here the first time through you. It's a proven fact. 
Most people come to church because a friend invited them. So I'm going to ask you a tough question then. Who'd you, who'd you invite this week? Did you reach in your pocket and take out one of these right here? Say, hey, let me invite you to our church. Bob Baptist, right over there behind the Walmart. Easy to find. Easy to find. Him go down the other street, take a little U-turn. There we are right there. You can't miss it. You're going to put the GPS anyway. Here's the service times. <coughs> Just like the verse on prayer, we have not because we ask not. We don't have visitors because we don't ask them. Now, you say, you think they're all going to come, Dr. Rasmus? Oh, no, 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 no. Some seed falls on stony ground. Some falls on phony ground. But some seed will fall on good ground. And by the way, we are not responsible for results, only for obedience. Were any of you ever involved in sales before? Yeah, I was involved in sales. I used to own a siding and windows company. I lived in Knoxville, humid like here, so... I was selling between eight hundred thousand and a million dollars worth of signing a year, pure cold door knocking. Every time I got a no, I felt I was that much closer to the next yes. I had a lead guy go out and get it for me and set the appointments for me, and uh, it was a good business. It was a real good business. We never advertised. You'll never. Just, I bought business cards. That's it. They're out there. And by the way, sinners are out there, waiting for someone. <coughs> to tell them about Jesus. So I challenge you, wouldn't it be great if two or three years from now you're having to contemplate two services on Sunday morning? Yeah. That would be an awesome thing. By the way, let's pray about that. I mean, I walked through every room in this place yesterday, looked at every room at least. Man, what a facility. This is a beautiful church facility. Beautiful. Great place to bring visitors into. I'm going to give you one more tip before we start talking about Mordecai. Can I tell you, I was talking to Brother Chris Ortiz who picked me up this morning. The number one way to get someone to come is say, you know what, why don't you come to our church and I'll take you out for a bite to eat. If your wife is here, have over your home. Because we have people in our home that we care about. You know that. Now maybe your wife doesn't cook or she doesn't feel comfortable with that. Take a Panera Bread. It's seven, eight bucks a person. Would that be worth it to get somebody to church? Oh Yeah. Of the first 56 people I had joined Lancaster Baptist Church, 52 had been our home for a meal. Think about that for a little while. Because people will be really good invite me to your house to eat, and I'll, I'll say, look at me, oh, I should have cooked. <coughs> Let, you enjoyed that too much, sir. All right, so. <laughs> uh, I'll tell them that. The Kiwis are having so for lunch today. Would you like to know why they're doing that? We've been friends for 20 years. <clears throat> I've been so looking forward to being with them because we're friends. The friends you have at work, the friends in your neighborhood, those are your very best prospects for the Bible Baptist Church. And if you get them here, I promise you, your preacher will fall upon them. Right? <coughs> Again, five basic things that Christians should do. Right? Absolutely. They should read the Bible. They should pray. They should tithe and give an offering. By the way, the Bible doesn't say how much offerings. But I know this is a strong missions church, and I say amen to that. I've got a daughter who's a missionary in Thailand. All three of my grandkids live 8,500 miles away. A little jealous for the key they have a couple right here. You know, but that's God's will. So read the Bible, pray, go to church, give, and witness. That's basic. It's sort of like the five Olympic rings. It's what obedient Christians will do. Now, let's talk about a man that God uses in a great way. In my opinion, if I were to offer the Bible... <laughs> 
I would not have named the book of Esther, Esther. I would have named it Mordecai. Hmm. You say, well, why would you do that? I'll give you a few facts I jumped down. <coughs> Mordecai's name appears way more than Esther. He's mentioned 58 times in this book. He's in nine of the ten chapters of the book, and Esther's only in six chapters. Esther rose to be queen, but Mordecai was higher. He was second only to the king. High the queen. Very important man. And I've titled this lesson, The Model of Mordecai. The Bible says in Esther chapter 9, look at your Bible, verse number 4, then we'll look at one more verse in chapter 10. Chapter 9, verse 4, For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame went out throughout all the provinces. For this man Mordecai waxed greater and greater. Now flip over to one chapter, chapter 10, if you will. Chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. For all the acts of his power and of his might, and the chapter 10, verses 2 and 3, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? Verse 3. For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king Ahasuerus, and great among Jews, and accepted the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all of his seed. Now, there's something else interesting about the book of Esther. Very interesting. God is never mentioned in the book. But his fingerprints are all over it. Can I challenge you with this this morning? Let's live in such a way that people see God's fingerprints in our life. Let's live in such a way that you can see God's leading him. God controls him. God's got his hand on him. That'd be a good thing, wouldn't it? Amen. Right? I want that in my life. Right? I want to be a blessing that way. Right? So, the book of Esther has some notable characteristics. I can talk about three key characters. Awful, a Hazarus. You don't need to know a lot about him. You've got victorious Vashti. She stood. And you also have horrible Haman. Haman was to the Jews what Hitler was to the Jews in the 1940s. He wanted to exterminate them. So those are some major characters. But we're going to look today at somebody I believe who is a model for us, and his name is Mordecai. First of all about Mordecai, before I give you the notes here, he was an example. Can I challenge you this, this morning to be an example unto the brethren? To be an example to your wife? So how am I supposed to be an example to my wife? Be long-suffering? Be kind? Be slow to wrath? Be in your Bible every day. Before I read anything else this morning, I opened my Bible and read the Bible. <clears throat> Why do I do that? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek him first. Pray with your wife. Pray before meals. Have a time to have a privilege to work it on together. It's an awesome thing to pray for something and see God answer that prayer. I pray, your pastor knows this, I pray for him every week. He's a friend. I read something years ago that changed my life. I spent about an hour and a half going through prayer list last night. And a man named Dr. Kim in Korea said this. He said, how can I say I love you and not pray for you? That convicted me. That's a lot of, I love you, appreciate you. I wouldn't pray for him. It changed my life. It's been two, three years ago. And I made a list of people I truly cared about. And we've got 
2,700 graduates. I can't pray for all of them every week. I pray for some of them, especially some of the pastors, because they need prayer. Let me challenge you to pray for your pastor. Pray for his family. Pray for Kenny. Pray for Chris. Right? Lift him up in prayer. Right? They need it. Because we are involved in spiritual warfare. Right? They're under attack. Satan does not like what this church is doing. Right. I'll tell you how you can fight that. Bring someone next week with you. That's how you can fight it. Bring somebody with you. Say, you know what, Satan? I don't care, man. I'm going forward for the Lord. I'm going to try to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll put it this way. We weren't saved to sit. We were saved to serve. I appreciate ushers as well. Even the guys handing out bulletins here. I appreciate that. Appreciate the ushers in the main building. I appreciate those who sing today. You know what? There's something for everybody to do. We weren't saved to sit. You might remember this song. Not to be carried through the sky, to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others toil to win the prize and sail to play seas. Bible says work for the night is coming. Night cometh when no man can work. We're going to have time to rest in eternity. There's no soul in there. Every day they're saved. So we have a time we can do something to account for Christ. People ask me sometimes, I've got a pool in my house. I used it once this year. Because when school gets out on a Wednesday, I leave on Saturday. I don't get back to my home like August 15th. And then it's like two weeks of college. It's just, you know, 12, 13 hours. I've got a pool one time. You say, why don't you sit home and relax and enjoy your pool? I'm going to have eternity to relax. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. And I spent a week on vacation that, that, that first week of August. So far I went home in Palm Desert with my grandkids and just trying to treat them and spoil them. Right? They were here in the States. I've got my youngest son's getting married less than a week and a half, so they're in the States for that. And so they're reporting to future in States like seven weeks, reporting to future going back to Thailand three days after the wedding. Of course I took time for that. Of course. But you know what? Work for the night is coming. Night comes in the Lord. You know what it says about the Lord Jesus Christ? For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He came to serve. You want to be like Jesus? Be a servant. Oh, by the way, you know what Jesus did? He came to seek and to save that which is lost. And uh, he said, I'm not really comfortable how to do that. I've got a book on the back table today. Uh, that would be a very big help to you. I'll mention that in the church service. It tells you how to be a good soul. A little tiny paperback. You could probably read it in 45 minutes or an hour. It's called Take It Personally. And you take it the gospel personally to somebody else. It might be a great help to you. It's only 10 bucks. It possibly could change your life. The greatest joy in my life, outside of my kids doing well, is when you serve to Christ. The greatest joy. Seeing people in church that I live in Christ, it's a joy. Trust me. And uh, by the way, it's a command as well. For I have commanded you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I have commanded you and ordained you should bring forth fruit and your fruit should remain. I must face it. We'll be on it. So, I'm going to skip over some illustrations here. Mordecai lived in Persia. By the way, that was not a God-fearing country. They were idolaters. Most were doing wrong, but he did right. He made a difference to the cause of right. Does this sound like America today? Absolutely. Roman number number one, Mordecai cared about others. Mordecai cared about others. You know what, folks? Can I say this very kindly? 
People need someone. You guys need an extra pin back there. We're glad I'm going to mine. Here you go. I got, got an extra one? Okay, we have two over there. Do people know you care about them? How have you showed them that you care about them? I'll tell you another statement about Jesus that convicts me. It says he went about doing good. He's been very kind. Now, again, I know we've been friends forever. I understand all that. He's been very kind. We had a long, busy day. We didn't get back to about 6 o'clock. We said, well, you know, we didn't make us walk and get something. We stopped at a little health food restaurant called The Habit. All right. We got salads. That's one of the best salads I ever had, preacher. That was unbelievable. I'm going back full of those things. I can eat those things on a regular basis. They're taking care of us. Hey, you got bottles of water drink? Here you go. We do things for people we care about. Well, Mordecai cared about others. Look, if you will, in verse number 11. You can control this in chapter 2, verse 11. And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the woman's house to know how Esther did his niece. He cared about her. And what should become of her. Now, his, his niece had been chosen to be the next queen. Every day he walked in front of her house. she okay? I wonder, do we walk from our neighbor's house and say, are they going to heaven? Don't you think the neighbors of your street need to know who Jesus is? See, so you think a lot of them get saved? Oh, a lot of them won't get saved. <coughs> Wide is the way that leads to destruction, and neither be to find it. I've lived in the same house about five years now, and on one side of me, they're not interested. It's two lesbian ladies, both engineers to the U.S. military, and Air Force Base. They're, they're, they're partners. We've taken food. We've invited them. They said, you wouldn't want our kind. So we want you to come. We don't want you to be your kind. But we want you to come. <laughs> the other side was another guy. Spanish gentleman from Nicaragua. Phenomenal story of overcoming. His mother came in as a political, political uh, refugee in America with one child. Single mom wearing him. Big guy. Played football in high school. Went on to USC, couldn't play sports anymore because he had to work his way through school. Got two master's degrees. He owns two houses in our suburbs. They're all in one acre lots. He's, a, he's also an engineer in the Air Base. I asked them so many times. I started calling him the serial liar. Yeah, I'll come tomorrow. He didn't come. I'll come tomorrow. He didn't come. But the Bible says something about that. It says, don't grow weary in well doing, for in due season we will fade not. My wife says, let's go ask him. I said, they're not coming. She says, well, I already made plenty of good, goodies for them. They're not coming. I said, let's go tell you. Okay, let's go. It really is because of my wife. Twice my wife made entire meals because they said they're going to go to church, come to her house for meal. They didn't show up. So I advised some college students over. They were very happy, you know. <laughs> Finally, about a year ago, I went to this house. It was around close to Easter time. I'm bringing plenty of cookies in. Right next door, that big circular driveway. And he's pulling out the other side of the driveway. He stopped his car. I walked over to him. You know what he said to me? Listen to this, guys. I'll never forget as long as I live. He said, Thank you for not forgetting about us. Man, was that convicting. Because I, I was done with him. Susan wasn't. Well, we had an open house about two weeks later. I went back and said, You know what? I haven't forgotten about you. I want you to, we got a tri-tip meal. we got air bounces for the kids. His wife has one leg. She was auto accident, lost a leg. Mm -hmm. I said, you guys will love it. He goes, we'll be there. We're going to be there. 
I was now the driver. You know, I said, so he won't be there. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a man of great faith. <laughs> I'm looking for him in Sunday school. He wasn't there. I knew it. In church, he walked in the door. Mm. I, I, you could have knocked me over with a feather. Amen. We went out to what's called the Student Life Center. We sat down together and had a tractor meal. I was able to lead both the man and the woman to Christ from my soul and testament. Hallelujah. I'm glad I went back. Yeah. By the way, that would be fruit of my wife's account because I had little faith. <laughs> so go back. Unless they tell you never see him again, just keep asking. Yeah. Keep asking. If we worked as hard at getting people to come to church as most salesmen do to make a sale, we'd have revival in America. But they worked that hard for one reason, because it's Monday. We had to work hard because it's been souls. And my friends are either going to heaven or hell. That's it. Alright, that's it. That's what we need to ask people. So, letter A, he did not say out of sight, out of mind. He couldn't see her, but he still cared about her. He didn't say out of sight, out of mind. Letter B, he did it consistently. Listen to the story I read recently. This is I like to read this by hobby. I'm always looking for illustrations I can use. This is a story about Dwight Morrill, the, the father of Anne Morrill Lindbergh, who married the famous aviator, uh, who the first to fly across the Atlantic. She once <coughs> held a dinner party, listen now, to which Calvin Coolidge had been invited. After Coolidge left, Morrill told the guests that Coolidge would make a good president. The other said, oh no, he's got no personality, he won't be a good president. He really was kind of calm, so to speak. They disagreed. He so he's quiet. He liked color and personality. Then Anne, his daughter, age six, spoke up and said, I like him. Somebody said, why do you like him? This is what she said. This is powerful. She said, I like him. She displayed a finger with a bandage around it. She said he was the only one at the party who asked me about my soul finger. A six-year-old girl. Oh, by the way, Jesus said, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of God. So she said, that's why he'd make a good president. Do we care about, do we really care about our neighbors? My wife and I made a decision, Brother Keely knows where we live, and we decided last year to hit every door in our subdivision. It's a half mile by half mile by half mile, and every house is one acre, because it's a lot of walking. It took me about four nights, four or five hours a night. We knocked on every door. See, a lot of people get saved now. Some people weren't home. But at least I left the gospel on every door. I told pastor about this. Well, I've done that twice. I wasn't surprised. Uh, I'll probably do it again this year. By the way, we met one lady who wasn't in church. She's now attending our church. She was already saved. Uh, really sweet African-American lady. Uh, she, had a, she was a doctor because her parents wanted her to be. And then when her parents passed away, she went back to school and became an engineer. You talk about a smart lady. Smarter than me. More importantly, she knows about Jesus. Now she's being faithful in church. Number two, Mordecai served and protected the king. Mordecai served and protected. You say, well, we don't have a king. Oh, yes, we do. And his name is King Jesus. Amen. He served and protected him. Speak up for him. Serve him. That's what God wants us to do. In Esther 2, it says, In those days, Mordecai sat in the king's gate. Two of the king's tables, <laughs> Big Fed and Terish, were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king. Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king there in Mordecai's name. He spoke up for the king. Speak up for Jesus. Letter A, he spoke up to stop evil. 
I said this to Brother Keeley driving home yesterday. Very famous statement. All that's necessary for evil to prosper is for good men to do what? Do nothing. All that's necessary for evil to prosper is good men to do nothing. He spoke to stop evil. He took it to the queen, better be, and Esther gave him honor. He later got great honor for that. We know the story. Haman had to lead him through the city. That's pretty cool. I love that. Yeah. Romans 13, verse 7 says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom is due, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Proverbs 3, 27 says, Withhold not good from them to whom it is due, when it's the power of thy hand to do it. Who can you help? <clears throat> Who does the Lord put on your heart? Gentlemen, you're going to see people this week I want to see because I'll get on a plane tomorrow and fly back to California. I'm speaking at another church tonight. I'm speaking at Christian school and doing some staff training tomorrow. I've got a 9 o'clock flight out of Miami. It won't be me helping them. You know what this area is, guys? Here it is. This is your Jerusalem. This is your Jerusalem. This is where God wants you to make an impact. Uh, I've got some tracks for your church. I'll certainly give one to the lady at the hotel. I'm going to tell them about my friend here, how close it is to the hotel. Try to invite him. But this is where you live. But your neighbors are here about Can I say this? Are you serving and standing for your king? John Kilm Gilbreth told this story. It's been a weary day. I asked my maid, my housekeeper, Emily, to hold all the telephone calls while I took a nap. Shortly thereafter, the phone rang. It was Lyndon Johnson, the President of the United States. He said, give me Ken Gilbreth. This is Lyndon Johnson. She said, he is sleeping, Mr. President. He said not to disturb him. He's the President. Well, wake him up. I want to talk to him. No, Mr. President. Here's what she said. I work for him, not for you. <laughs> wow. When I called the president back, he could scarcely control his pleasure. He said, tell that woman I want her here in the White House. Yeah. Gentlemen, let's remember who we work for. Let's remember who we work for. That housekeeper understood important truth. She's supposed to be loyal to one person. Mordecai cared about others. He served to protect the king. Roman number three. Mordecai stood when others bowed. Mordecai stood when others bowed. I like this. You know the story of the three Hebrew children. Man, we respect them. They got thrown in the fire. God preserved them. And God doesn't always preserve everybody who stands. But God is always proud of people who stand. I know enough about the Inquisition. At the time of Caligula and Diocletian, people like that back in the early Roman era. It was horrible. But the Bible has a statement. And having done all to stand, I sought for a man among them who would stand in the gap. I like reading about Medal of Honor winners. Our highest honor in the United States. They have a medal they wear around their neck. It's blue and George Washington's on it. That's the one person the president has to salute. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of Medal of Honors around because most of them are awarded that posthumously. But I've got books about what Medal of Honor winners did. I'm not reading about true heroism like that. In the crucial moment, maybe they threw themselves on a grenade or whatever. And having done all to stand, 
And all the Esther 3, verse 2, and all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. He's going to bow to Jesus. Do you remember what happened to Daniel? You're not supposed to pray or bow to anyone except the king. But Daniel opened up his windows and prayed <coughs> as he did aforetime. Let's give our reverence to God, not to men. It's amazing how sometimes we're so afraid of what a boss will say or a neighbor will say or what they'll think about us. See, they might say something bad about me. Blessed are you when men shall persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. That's what God says about that. Let's stand. Let's be a testimony for Christ. John the Baptist did that. It cost him his head. But he's a hero. He did the right thing. The Bible says, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Gentlemen, anything that comes between us and God is an idol. This morning, there's a whole lot of people in America that are worshiping their God. It's called the National Football League. I don't think there's anything wrong with football. There's a lot of things wrong with some of the commercials. Yes. Well, zero and the cheerleaders are modestly dressed and dancing. Right? That's wrong. You've got to click that off right now because the Bible says, I will set no wicked thing before my eyes. And as a man think of his heart, so is we look at that, we're not going to think the right things. To watch a football game, there's nothing wrong with that. I watched a little bit, not all of it. The USC Stanford game last night. The USC fan, they lost 17 to 17 3, I think. But I watched a little bit of that. Nothing wrong with football. But it's wrong if you're watching during church. Because God's word says forsake not to set yourselves together. You say, well, it's Super Bowl Sunday night. Forsake not to set yourselves together. You record it. Go to someone's house and record it. Is football really more important than God? I mean, tell me your favorite player of the Super Bowl seven years ago. Who played? Who cares? You know, it really doesn't matter. You might think of that. It might be really, really important to you. But can I say this? When the Warriors won their NBA title this year, and I'll tell you what, watching Curry, watching Durant, Thompson, Green, quite a team. You know what happened in heaven after they won their third title in four years? No. The angels went, oh. <laughs> but there's great rejoicing over one sinner that repented. And I like sports, you can probably tell. My favorite station on television is a Christian station. It's called ESPN. <laughs> you see, I didn't know that was a Christian nation. Extra Spiritual People Network. <laughs> I haven't convinced my wife of that yet. <laughs> <laughs> right, but I didn't look at that this morning. I didn't look at the highlights of yesterday's games. I was reading my Bible. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. By the way, I haven't always done that. Can I say this too? We have time for what's important to us. Take time, number one, for the Lord, for His church. Take time for your spouse. Take time for your family. And not just our hobbies, be they fishing, hunting, golf, whatever it is. People can tell very quickly what's important to us if they look at two things our checkbook and our calendar. Because we spend time on money and money on what's important to us. It has always been this way, but my number one expense every year is Lancaster Baptist Church. 
And number two, expenses my mortgage. I track everything. And number three, expenses Walmart. You know, <laughs> you know, we buy everything from gas to groceries to everything else, you know. You know what, when it's all said and done, I'm going to lay it for myself as treasures in heaven for moth and dust don't corrupt, for thieves don't break and seal. I mean, you guys are so generous to missionaries. That's a good thing. That's to encourage God's people out there. I heard about that Haitian gentleman. He gave pews to him. He took them on for support. How great is that? For the people, that just, that just thrilled my heart. That's a good thing. Moving on here. Number, number four. Mordecai challenged others to speak up and stand. Mordecai challenged others to speak up and stand. This is when he found out the Jews were going to be killed. He went to Esther and said, you've got to do something. He said this. <coughs> Who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Gentlemen, who knows that maybe you're in your subdivision for such a time as this? Or your, your place of employment for such a time as this? Esther 9, 23, and the Jews undertook to do as they begun, as Mordecai had written them. They listened to him. He challenged them to stand up, to do something. And you know what they did? Sometimes people are just waiting for someone to lead them, to show them the right way to go. And when they, when they do that, they're thankful. You say, man, I, I help people go the right way. That's an awesome thing. We live in a world today where God is not honored and seldom acknowledged. God wants us to stand, and we can depend on him. The song says this, stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner, it must not suffer loss. We stand up for him this week, at least follow. Psalm 9 says, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. You say, man, I'm a little afraid if I do that. I read a story about what happened with an Indian tribe. They had a very unique way of training young braves. On the night of the boy's 13th birthday, they would take him out in the woods into a very dense forest. They said, we're going to leave you here all alone. As he made it through the whole night, he was elevated to the position of a warrior. He could ride with the men and hunt with the men, and every boy wanted this. Not stay home with the women. Well, usually until that night, that young boy had not been away from the security of the tribe, his own tent, his parents. So he was blindfolded, taken several miles away. He didn't know where he was at. They were in the middle of the forest. When he took off the blindfold, he was in the middle of the thick woods. Every time he heard a twig break, he just visualized some wild animal, <coughs> bear, mountain lion, or whatever. After what seemed like an eternity, dawn would break, and the first rays of sunlight came in. The boy would look around and see the flowers, the trees, the outline, and then to his astonishment, just a few feet away, would be standing his dad with a bow and arrow. He'd been there all night long. He was safe. My God shall never leave you or forsake you. He's always there. Isn't that good to know? That's encouragement to me. God will take care of you. He'll protect you. Let's do our best to live for him. As we go back to Esther, chapter 10, verse 23, the Bible says this. And all the acts of his power and his might and the declaration of the greatest Mordecai are they not written in the book. We see three things here in closing. I've got two minutes we get done. We see, first of all, how God advanced Mordecai. From a lowly position to be number two in the land. 
Can I mention, can anybody here raise your hand and tell me two other men who were faithful in the Old Testament who became the number two man in the country? Anybody else? Can you take a guess at it? Joseph. Daniel. Joseph, you got that's it right there. Joseph and Daniel. Good answers. Joseph was second only to Pharaoh. Daniel was second only to the king. That's exactly right. By the way, you know what's interesting? It wasn't their homeland. They came as slaves. And God honored them. God honored them. The thing is, if you're not a Christian, I'm going to go to the office party, they're drinking, I'm not drinking. How am I ever going to get promoted to this company? Remember Joseph. Remember Daniel. Remember Mordecai. And stand up, stand up for Jesus. So first of all, we see that he advanced him. Number two, acclaim. He had a good name. The Bible says he was great among the Jews. It's interesting. I'm not Jewish, obviously, but if you go to a, G a Jewish synagogue, they celebrate something called the Feast of Purim, P-U-R-I-M. And whenever they get to the name of Haman, the Jews stomp their feet and they say this, may his name be blotted out. May his name be blotted out. It's real raucous and they're loud. We wouldn't have a name like Haman or a name like Mordecai. You know what the Jews think of Mordecai today? He saved our people. Now God saved them. But God used Mordecai as a vessel to save much people alive. By the way, God could use every one of you men here to be a vessel to save the lives of people returning. And it might just be bringing them to church for one time. That's it. That's it. So he acclaimed. He was accepted. <laughs> well pleased. You know what you might call that in today's vernacular? He had a high approval rating. <laughs> Unlike certain people in the today. He had attention for others. The Bible says he was seeking the wealth of his people. What is the greatest thing we can seek for other people if they go to heaven someday? Amen to that? Amen. Folks, there's a heaven and there's a hell. And finally, assurance. The Bible said he was speaking peace to all his seed. He encouraged them. He said to them, you can trust God. And Ben, can I say this today? You can trust God as well. You have a great pastor here. You're blessed. But more importantly, we have a great, great, great God Amen. that we can depend on. We can worship him. We can rely on him. But isn't it awesome to think about this? We can serve him. I prayed last night with my wife when we met. I prayed this morning. I said, Lord, help me to serve you well today. I'm going to make a difference for the cause of Christ. So you're a preacher, yes. But you know what? <laughs> the greatest soul winner I've ever known about was a church called First Baptist Church of Hamlet. His name is C.W. Fisk. He was a custodian. They eventually hired him on staff. Because he kept waiting to be. They said, let's just let you do this all the time. You keep bringing visitors. When he left that church, he became assistant pastor, then a senior pastor. There were 106 people in the church were Sunday school teachers, ushers, or deacons, he led to Christ. He never went to Bible college. Dave, those people you know, they used to play with them, or near you, that you're the best person to talk to, because they know you and like you. And people know you and like you. It's true for everyone of us here. Let your light so shine among men, that they may see your good works and glorify your fathers in heaven. Let's be like Mordecai. Let's pray today. Lord, I thank you for your goodness to us. I pray you'll help us to learn from the pages of your word. But Lord, most importantly, I pray for these good men here. They will not just be hearers of your word. 
that they will be doers as well. And Lord, I ask this. I pray you help me to be a better witness this year. That I'll have fruit to your account. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.